Welcome to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages every week. These powerful messages are sure to inspire you and keep you on track. Whether it's our late founder, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, or any of your favorite fellowship leaders worldwide, including Pastors Joe Campbell, Paul Stevens, Mark Olson, Tom Payne, Harold Warner, Richard Ruby, and many more, get ready to hear from God through this message. Hello, Sermon Podcast listeners. Pastor Adam here. Once again, wanted to give you guys a quick update uh, as we are preparing once again tonight to have a online gathering. <clears throat> hey, what's up, Sermon Podcast listeners? Pastor Adam from Virginia Beach here. It's been a very busy week for us, as no doubt it has been for you as well. But we have some good news. The online meetup via Zoom conference that we had planned for last Monday night has been rescheduled for tonight. It is happening tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. The links are all in the show notes. If you'd like to join us for a 30-minute Zoom conference, uh, we have some updates and some announcements that we are going to be sharing with our listening audience. So we want to invite you in tonight for a live Zoom conference Again, beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We look forward to meeting you there. Thanks, guys. First Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 11. All these sons of Jadiel, by the heads of their fathers, mighty men of valor, were 17,200 soldiers fit to go out for war and battle. And uh, this is a list, uh, the entire chapter is listing uh, uh, several families, but I want to focus in on JDL. His word means, uh, his name means known by God, Benjamin's son, whose descendants were warriors, and they numbered uh, a little over 17,000 by David's time. This is one who left Saul to join David at Ziglag after Saul's uh, insanity. He was a member of the Levitical family of Korah. He was appointed a doorkeeper uh, in the temple during David's reign, also uh, a number among David's mighty men. And very quickly, I want to put to rest a fantasy that might be reciting in some of your minds here, is discipleship is not some special group that are called to preach and especially close to the pastor. Uh, when I got saved in Tucson, the church was already three, four hundred people. Uh, I did not buddy-buddy around with Pastor Warner. I never went to his house. Some of the guys did, played basketball and other things. You don't want me on the basketball court unless you want me to knock somebody out and hurt them or something. I was not very uh, good at that. But uh, uh, discipleship is not just sitting around somewhere listening to your pastors, the pearls of wisdom so eloquently flow off his lips. You're sitting at his feet and, and uh, you're being discipled. You know, like the Jesus movie, you know, when all the disciples of Jesus just gently talking to them. Uh, a lot of times we have this in our, our view that discipleship is this uh, uh, almost like a secret service training. 
and discipleship uh, uh, is happening right now. In fact, every time there's a church activity or we're involved in something uh, 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 at church, whether it be an outreach, a concert, uh, revivals, uh, uh, as we simply begin to engage ourselves and be a part of what that is. When I got saved, one of the things that began to happen is my whole life shifted around what was happening in the house of God. Everything I did, and even today still, that is the case. My schedule, how I do vacations, uh, even I would pray, you know, uh, how, how many have ever had a job where you work swing shift or something like that? You had to miss services. You know, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, but I'll tell you, I wasn't comfortable there. I did not like that because I wanted to be engaged. I wanted to be a part of what God was doing in the assembly. Now, in balance to all that, some of you would do well to maybe spend a little time with your pastor, seek out his counsel. It's not uh, uh, that you would isolate yourself either. I will try to uh, get with my pastor as often as able. I mean, I'm not just chasing him around like one of those little dogs that won't leave you alone. But I'm talking about uh, there are times, hey, you know, How about getting a cup of coffee sometime, maybe voicing to him uh, uh, some things that you're going through, uh, uh, seeking some counsel, that would be wise as well. And so discipleship encompasses many things. Now, I'm coming from an angle. I've uh, pastored for a short time in Houston, Texas for five years, but I have never entered the throes of discipleship uh, to the level where, you know, men have been sent out. So I'm coming from an angle of being a disciple. And some things I have learned uh, coming up in years, and I'm still learning, that I want to share with you. To be a disciple simply to be like Jesus, to learn of him. It's not a title. It's not, well, if I get such and such a ministry, you know, someday uh, I'll, I'll reach this level and I'll be announced or I'll be tapped for a Bible study leader. All these things are valid, but a lot of times we make the focus on uh, uh, reaching some kind of goal. But discipleship, the goal is to be as much like Jesus as possible, to learn of him. How would he think? What would he say? And the famous saying, what would Jesus do, are all valid. And we're a people of militant faith. Uh, The the other night, we were praying for the Holy Ghost. I was in uh, San Diego, and uh, we had several people line up. God just really moved for us. People were getting filled. And when one girl there uh, saw how I was praying, she kind of bowed out, you know, and went back. And so when I went back to, you know, uh, just kind of say hi, she goes, well, you know, uh, that prayer seemed a little forceful. You know, she's, to me, you know, prayer is gentler. She's a brand new convert. You know, she's uh, uh, probably had a little religious uh, titillations here and there. But when she saw how we began to pray, she got a little nervous. And uh, that's because we are a people uh, of aggression, Amen. I looked at her. I said, well, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And that just didn't put, fit her pretty flowery, little gentle Jesus idea, you know. And I said, well, get with your pastor. But that's what we are. 
And people recognize that. I remember getting together with pastors, uh, you know, uh, in, in, in the name of, uh, you know, I want to get along in the community. So a couple pastors sent a letter, hey, we're going to have a little prayer breakfast once a month. And I thought, well, can't hurt to at least get to know some people. And I'm sitting in that meeting, and they begin to pray. And, uh, you know, I'm telling you, I thank God I got saved where I got saved in this fellowship. Amen. So when it came my turn, begin to praise God and worship God, it got real loud and the letters stopped coming. I wasn't invited anymore. Here we're reading about sons. The sons of JDL, obviously there's offspring, there's grandsons in there. Mighty men of valor fit to go out for war and battle. That's the first thing I want to point out. They're all sons. And as one born in God's house, you need to grasp the issue of spiritual sonship. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul is writing. He said, I do not write these things at verse 14 through 21 for those taking notes. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who's my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, some of you are puffed up as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What do you want? Shall I come to you with a rod? or in love and the spirit of gentleness. It's kind of an either or. You want me to come there and and slam you around, or do you want to get with a program so I can minister to you as a gentle father? Because how many know with father, it can go either way. I tell my kids, you know, I tell people all the time, my children are wonderful children. They just have to be reminded once in a while. You're good kids. Remember that. There's a need for men to understand uh, this principle. When you look at the Old Testament, you'll notice it's a tribal government, fathers and sons, and there's a hierarchy in that government. My pastor is technically my brother in Christ, but he's also been ordained by God to a position of leadership and service, and I am acutely aware of the divine authority God has placed on his life. And it mystifies me when men don't get this. You know, I was 17, come up in a broken home. I didn't even know what a father was. But the instant I got saved, uh, whether it was just by revelation or I, I don't know, somehow I just came to understand he's the man. I know he's just a man. I know he pees and poops just like everybody else. But I'm aware that there's something on his life that's not of this world. It's not of men. It is the mantle of God, anointing for service, a call to leadership and a platform that is different than my own. In other words, there is a ranking system in church. We're not all equal in rank. We're equal in the sense that uh, God's no respecter of persons. We're joint heirs, co-heirs with Christ, but uh, all have different talents, abilities, giftings, callings, and they're not all the same or equal in the sense of authority. And one of the challenges an up-and-coming disciple faces is sorting this out in his own heart and his own mind. 
Nothing worse, in my opinion, than a man trying to be more than he really is. And he kind of wants to let you know he's the spiritual heavy, and in his mind he thinks that's the way it's going. Uh, But everybody else can see and actually has a lack of respect for people that do these things. This really comes out at conference time. If you don't understand this principle, uh, the enemy can use that against you. For example, you know, I don't pal around with Pastor Mitchell or even Pastor Campbell for that matter. Hey, Wayman, what's happening, man? Right here. Hey, Joe, what's up? You know, we're not into titles. You know, we're not into, you know, you know, kiss the ring, you know, pastor so-and-so. Uh, uh, and I know your pastor. I know he's not like that. In fact, I've had glimpses of his uh, humility uh, away from the preaching stage that uh, have uh, really impressed me, and, and I marvel at it. In fact, every great man of God in those Kodak moments, I call them, uh, uh, when, you know, no one's really paying attention even, but my mind, I catch something, the way he reacts to something, the way something's said, that only uh, true humility will exemplify that. Now, that doesn't mean, uh, uh, you know, humility is not this, you know, just this uh, Kwai Che Kang. Remember that Kung Fu thing? You know, he's just very soft-spoken. They're calling you Chinaman, you know, but he bad, see. <laughs> You can start messing with him. He's going to break things on your body, you know. <laughs> and that's kind of that's kind of how it goes, right? It's not this false uh, persona. And, uh, 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 you know, I understand there's a ranking system. I understand some are called to greater authority. It doesn't mean, you know, like I said, uh, you can't, a lot of times uh, they open the door, you know, to talk, discuss things, uh, go out to lunch, coffee, whatever. But it's not this necessarily this intimate, uh, uh, you know, connection as some would romanticize in their minds. In Exodus 18.21, God is uh, giving some plans And by inspiration, he says, you should provide out of the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. It doesn't say rulers of ones. That's a group I'm in, but it's down the list so far. God didn't even put it in there, you know. That's what God has done in our fellowship. He's established leadership, accountability, and It comes from God, and as far as who's over who and how that all plays out, you know, Psalm 75 says, I said unto fools, do not deal foolishly, and to the wicked, lift not up the horn, lift not up your horn on high, speak not with a stiff neck, for promotion comes neither from the east or the west or the south, but God is judge. He puts one down and sets another up. In fact, this question came up among the disciples, and Jesus said, that's not mine to give who's over who and who's going to have what position. It's a matter, it's not a matter of who's buddy-buddy with a pastor and just really gets along. In fact, sometimes uh, there's people pastors like, uh, and uh, they got great personality, but they're lacking certain qualities that they could have leadership, but can't use them because they're not being what they should be. Mark. 1238, the Bible says as he's teaching, beware the scribes. Don't desire to go around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, the best places at the feast, who devour widows' houses for a pretense, make long prayers, 
just a little note there. You know, sometimes people, you know, I, I believe in praying a good prayer. When you open the service, pray for the offering, uh, uh, you know, or anything. But uh, uh, sometimes I get really grieved when, you know, someone's called on to pray and it's like the spotlight's on now, you know. Uh, what's, what's that show, American Idol, you know, American Prayer Time, you know? Lord, I'm about to pray the prayer of all prayers. This prayer will cover every prayer that's ever been prayed. Thank you, Lord. Amen. In the deeper ramification of the sufferance of, you know, and they just, this deep, like, whoa. I'm impressed with that prayer. Now, I don't know if God's going to do anything, but whoo. You know, the reason I know this so well is because that's, I was like that. And because, uh, you know, there's a big problem we have today is a lot of broken homes. And when you don't have a father who gives you identity and gives you a proper balance in life, sometimes we come into the kingdom of God and everything we do is not to, uh, meant to impress God, but others. We're constantly looking for that recognition. We're constantly looking. That's why in sales, you know, when people make uh, large amounts of money, and I've been in uh, uh, places like this, uh, it, it's not about the money. They have these little powwows, and they give out these awards because the paycheck's great. You know, the money's great, uh, but what a man really likes is when he gets a, uh, you know, Brother Jerry, come up. You're the number one this month. You know, hey, whoo, oh, yeah. I saw a little bit of the ESPN yesterday as I was uh, getting ready in the room, and and uh, they're going through the ch- all these guys, you know, these big players. Uh, you know, they're making tons of money, right? They get the endorsements, everything. But you know, it's all about that trophy, man, the championship. That's everything. That's why I'm here. That's their focus. Something in a man that wants to conquer. And there's a, a balance. There. That's a good thing to have, but it can get very weird. It can get very twisted to where everything we do uh, uh, is meant to impress people uh, and we're wanting a a recognition. And uh, Paul had this. He said as a Pharisee that he was a man pleaser. He was coming up very quickly in the ranks. He's obviously a very uh, uh, intellectual, articulate, uh, smart individual. He uh, had his political career all mapped out. And he makes a statement later. He said, if I still seek to please men, it's a bad thing. And so what will help us get through this is to understand we are sons. There are those times where, you know, my sons, my son's 15 years old. We still kiss one another on the cheek. Now, you can call me sissy if you want. And, uh, you know, try to take advantage of that. We'll see how it goes. You know, maybe I'll be standing. Maybe I won't. I don't know. But I'm going to go down swinging, you know. (laughs) In my mind, I can whip everybody in this room. I'm just not so sure that's a reality. (laughs) But there's also times, you know, father, he's the guy that when the kid falls and skins his knee, mama comes running. And that's what mamas need to do. The eye's all right. He he only fell 10 feet, man. (laughs) He's still walking. That's dad. It's all right to shed a tear. He gets that from mama. But dad's saying, welcome to life, boy. You better get up quick. Come on, shake it off. See, that's the balance. That's what uh, uh, fathers are to portray. And so there's a need to endure hardness. Paul talks about his beloved son, Timothy. 
It's not his biological son. It's his spiritual son, someone he's made an investment in, like Pastor Campbell has done for everybody in this room. Second Timothy says, my son, you must be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who be able to teach others also. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in a warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. See, before God can use you effectively, and again, if you are here and you're thinking, well, I'm not called to preach, you're already heading down a wrong road with that mentality. You may never be called to preach. Listen, I'm preaching. That could all end tomorrow. Who knows what uh, the future holds? But I'm not doing what I do simply because I got to get up and preach. In fact, if you begin to do that, you know, guard your little ministry and it becomes all about that, uh, eventually you're going to lose it because that's just the wrong road to go down. But before God can effectively use us, you got to qualify. No cowards and no wimps allowed. In Revelation, when it starts listing about those uh, uh, who are reserved uh, for fire, who are uh, barred from heaven. You know, it talks about the idolaters and the effeminate and such. Number one on the list is the cowardly. The first one, the cowardly, will not enter. Now, this doesn't mean we don't ever wrestle with fear, but it means that in spite of our fear, we press on. In spite of our fears or whatever, we continue on. And so some areas of qualification, just like the Army or the Marines or the Navy or Air Force have certain qualifications. And I don't want to get into a peeing contest about who's better than who. We all know the Marines are bad guys and you don't mess with them, right? Oh, there's not many here. What do I got here, Air Force? But I, we, you know what? The thing about Air Force is, uh, uh, I bet you the boys were sure glad about them when they leveled Iraq for about two weeks before they even had to, you know, that's, a, that's all needed. You're not, you need to be born again. That sounds elementary, doesn't it? But, you know, I've been places and I've seen things, people, quote, doing things for the Lord. They're not even saved. In other words, to be a disciple, to be this person, you must be born again. You must be a submitted man. This doesn't mean you're just a yes man and you never have a disagreement or never have a, um, a debate per se with things. But in the end, you're a submitted man. Second Timothy says in 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That a man may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come, they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they shall heap up to themselves teacher having itching ears. They shall turn away from the truth, be turned aside to fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I've fought the good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. You need to be submitted to God, His Word, God's man, your pastor. If you think you're submitted to God, 
and yet you resist the authority God has placed on your pastor, you are in fantasy land. You know, and I'm not saying, you know, there's people that call my pastor Harold. A lot of those people were there in the very beginning, you know, when there's like five people in the, you know, it's just a, a pretty wild scene. And again, my pastor, uh, no, you call me pastor. He doesn't do that. But you know what? When I'm around Pastor Warner and even talking about him, there's just something. It, it, it seems natural to me. I just can't say, well, Harold told me. I don't know what it is. I think it's the revelation I'm preaching this morning is that I understand there are officers, there are rankings in the kingdom of God, and it just doesn't feel right if I don't say Pastor Warner, Pastor Mitchell, Pastor Campbell. You know, I just recognize, and again, the flip side of that is these men aren't going around, make sure you call me that, and they shouldn't be. But see, that's their heart. I'm talking about mine. And sometimes people will, you know, come up, and I'm a little different because uh, I don't have that kind of uh, ministry. I'm not on that kind of platform. Uh, but maybe you're in a brand-new church, you know, and young convert, and they just want to, you know, hey, Jerry, you know, I'm cool with that, fine. But I also recognize, you know, this young man, if he wants to excel in God, he's going to have to bring that spirit of anarchy He's going to have to cast that out because subtly that's, you know, I'm in charge. And what was the original problem? Satan said, listen, forget God's throne, his authority. I'm going to set my own throne up. I'm going to do it my way. And we see where that ends up. And I'm telling you, if you're here, there's going to be a time your pastor may get in your face Maybe the assistant pastor, maybe someone else uh, that the pastor uh, uh, would say, hey, you know, you need to talk to so-and-so and and let him know. And you can tell a lot about a man when you jam him up. And sometimes uh, maybe it's not even fair at first glance. You know, I'm the only one in Tucson Church history that was announced to be door director and was fired before I was hired. Friday night at conference, you know, coming on staff as door directors, Jerry and Glenda Fussell, you know. Then something went down. I'm not going to tell the whole story. It wasn't sin. It wasn't even close to it. It was, uh, you know. and so Pastor Warner said, so, the, you know, thus and so. And I said, well, yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't even, I was still working my job. I wasn't on staff or nothing. He goes, you know what? Yeah, well, I changed my mind. Forget it. Had people calling me for bands for six months, and I'm having to kind of tell them, uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not door director. Yeah, but I thought you were announced. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was unannounced. <laughs> but one thing I can tell you, I never missed a beat. I mean, I took a hit. My ego was banned. But as far as my attitude toward my pastor, he's the man. God must be doing something. I was announced to go pioneer and got unannounced. I said, man, this Jerry's messed up, bro. What'd you do? I'm trying to give you some hope here this morning. When Pastor Warner announced me, I was also the first one in Tucson Church that evangelized before I ever pastored. And we just don't do that. And I don't, I, I, I still think we shouldn't. The reason I went and pioneered is I felt very handicapped. Took about four or five years. I began to dawn on me, I need to go pioneer. I don't don't have something. You can't read it in a book. So I did that. But when he announced me at conference in Prescott, I'm not so sure I 
would like this, but he got before that body and said, Jerry's a good man, served faithful 10 years in the church. He responds to discipline well. I'm th- I got upset. Then I got a little upset. I mean, I'm trying to get some meetings. He basically told everybody he gets jammed up all the time, but he takes it like a man. <laughs> it's like, don't tell them that, you know. But you know what? When I begin to pastor and begin to try to work with guys, I realize that was a very high compliment because you can't tell guys nothing today. Hey, brother, thus and so. Man, they get weird. All of a sudden, they're not in church. All of a sudden, they've got this little funk on them. Well, he told me, brother so-and-so, and then and you're getting all contorted. And you're going through the whole case in your mind, why it's not fair, you know, and you're trying to justify everything. Instead of just taking your lick, saying, you know what? He's the man. You know, I, I can just see these Marines, you know, when they get off the bus at boot camp or Air Force or any of them. How many know you get off the bus and there's these nice greeters there? We just want to thank you that you picked our branch of the service. I mean, you could have picked the Navy, the Air Force, but you picked the Marines, and we're just so glad. Thank you. Hey, listen, we got some uniforms over there. In fact, we got different colors. Pick out whatever one you want, and then we're going to send you down to the barber in a little bit, you know, after maybe you've had a cup of coffee, and they're going to cut your hair. You just These guys are good. Just tell them how you like it. You know, everybody has their little different style. You know that's not how it goes, right? What are you looking at, you maggot? You know, they. I mean... Welcome. You are now government property. We can do anything we want. We can throw you on a landmine for our country. (laughs) That's okay with them, right? But see, something else has happened in the church today. Brother Joel would tell us, you can have your best life now. And God loves you. He doesn't want you to be disappointed. He wants you to excel in your job. He wants you to make us lots of money and bring it here and buy my books. And, he, he, you know, when you get cut off on the freeway, you know, you just, that's the you know, grace of God working in your character, you know. And remember what I said about a feminizing men? There you go. There's the icon. And so uh, that, that, that's what's happening. Can you see him jamming? Now, brother, I believe God wants to work in your life. As opposed to Pastor Campbell, you stupid idiot, what were you thinking? Which one of those disciples is going to survive when they're standing on the gates of Satan? See, those master sergeants know these kids are going to be out on a battlefield where there's people that don't like them and they have weapons of all sorts to destroy them. And he has a short time to get them in a frame of mind so they can come back home, their buddy can come back home, and we can destroy the enemy. You know, people like Patton that stood before them and says, some of you have been told that it's an honor to die for your country. I can't say it exactly how he did in church. Uh, He said, you know, that's a bunch of crap. He says, it's about making the other guy die for his country. Amen? 
That's what we're here to do. See, there's a mindset. And uh, that only comes when you've been conditioned. Because mama is not going to do that for you. And sometimes daddy uh, isn't as effective. It all comes down to when you realize you're under command. I'm going to wrap it up here. But I begin to think I was looking at Jesus and how he commanded these men. Matthew, or sorry, yeah, Matthew 11.1. 1, it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples. Matthew 14.9, and he commanded the multitude to sit on the grass. Matthew 21.6, the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Matthew 28.18, Jesus uh, came and spoke with them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, the Holy Spirit knows the difference between command, the word command, and asking or suggesting. He used command, and it means that you can look it up in the Greek. It means just what it sounds like. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to do this. I'm not saying if you've got time to do it. I'm saying this is how it's going to go. And so that's what makes us different, beloved, than the, the flowery church down the road where the Spirit's just all, you know, it's just, oh, it's just so precious, the Spirit there. You're going to have to let God speak into your life. Sometimes, just to find out where someone's at, I remember a time I had some people coming, and they've been coming for a couple years, you know, and God's moving in their life, especially some men I was working with there and still saved and, and uh, in ministry and different things today. But I, uh, we were in my house, a living room, little fellowship. And it's one of those things where they've been coming and they they kind of know some things. They're outreaching, you know. They're praying. They're reading the Bible. And then, uh, uh, you know, we were going to do a little church picnic. And so I said, well, uh, I told them, you know, a couple guys come up with some ideas because the picnic's coming up in about eight weeks. And I bring this up from time to time, where you want to go, what you want to do. And so um, I said, so, you know, the church picnic now is two weeks away. And so what are we going to do? And everybody's, I said, okay, how about we do this? A, B, C, D, D, D. And all of a sudden, one of the, one of the guys kind of looks around. And he goes, well, Pastor, we're kind of wondering, you know, how come we got to do it? You know, we were wondering how come we got to do it like the way you, exactly the way you want. And so, you know, it's one of those moments where you, you're looking and, you know, do I give him the, the nice answer? Well, brother, it's like this. Or I kind of had this, uh, all of a sudden, a flash in my mind's eye of Clint Eastwood standing there in the poncho and the little cigar. <laughs> flipping that poncho back and shooting everybody in the room. I went the Clint Eastwood route. I said, oh, we, you guys have had a discussion about this. Well, yeah. And so about a week before, we had a fellowship at my house because, see, no one else opened up their house. 
And so they came to my house, apartment actually. We're playing games and stuff. And I think it's a Friday night. It's about 11 o'clock. I'm wiped out. You know, it's a small place, so I can't sleep if there's people out here yucking it up. So, you know, it was one of those things where it was a dead heat. You know, the guy, you know, teams were playing. And I said, listen, whoever's ahead by 11, we'll just call it then. He said, oh, let's get, now. Nah, let's just, I said, let's just do it by 11, you know, because I wanted to get to bed. And so he brings this up. He goes, you know, like the other time, it's like, yeah, I understand you wanted to go to bed. That's, that's fine, but we wanted to keep playing. But it was like, because you were done, we all had to stop. And that, that was it right there. I took the poncho off. <laughs> I said, did it ever dawn on you, you were in somebody else's house, that I wanted to get to bed? Because I get up and go to prayer meeting. You don't. You never do. And I said, as far as fellowship goes, you want to stay up all night. How about opening your house? Look at this carpet. It's trashed. Do you know why it's trashed? It's your kids spilling crap all over it. I said, not only that, when the fellowship is over and the whole house is exploded, you'll say, bye, walk right out the door. Not one time have you offered to clean up and help. And you could just, I, I'm just, I don't care if they come back anymore. I'm getting this off my chest. You know? And so I went off for a few more minutes, you know, and you could just see it was like they were getting revelation. <laughs> They're all kind of like, oh, man, you stepped in it, man. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, you know, afterwards they left and, you know, I, I toned down and tried to put a little softy on it. But, you know, I'm thinking, man, next morning they were all in prayer. They begin to square. They the, that day they said, you know what? Let's do the fellowship over. And I said, you know, because I, I told them about the picnic. I've asked you guys for two months. You can't come up with an idea to save your life. So I simply say A B C, so we can all have a good time and not come picnic day. We don't know what's going on. And boom, jammed them up. But you know what it did? It polarized something in them because they are good people. Had a good heart. They love God. But sometimes, you know, one moment you're being told, blessed are you, Peter. That is divine revelation. Man, that was a high moment for Peter. I can just see him looking at John. <laughs> hey, Matt. Revelation, brother. <laughs> God's talking to me just like Jesus. <laughs> the next minute, get behind me, Satan. I have nothing to do with you. I can see Matthew. <laughs> Beelzebub. <laughs> I remember Pastor Warner called on me one time to read a scripture in Sunday school and see Sunday school. That's, that's our shine time, right? You know, when he questions or comments, you don't want to give a comment. You want to give the comment of all comments. Pastor, I was just reading that scripture this very day. And what God showed me, you know, and if Pastor Warner, he would say, very good, outstanding. I mean, yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if you were halfway through your sentence at not next, you know, it was like, you failed. <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? Uh, you know. <laughs> I was reading a scripture where we shall put off. We shall put off uh, immortality. I don't know what I said. I, I said we shall put on immorality. You know, I got it all jumbled around. 
because I'm trying to read in that anointed voice. And we shall put on immorality. Stops me right there. I mean, there's hundreds of people there. It says, no, Jerry, it's immortality. You go to hell for immorality. <laughs> Keep reading. It's like, I don't want to read now, man. <laughs> And so I'm just saying this, is that some testosterone, whatever, it's good. You want some hoorah in there. Ambition, it's good. When you do it, you want to do it all the way. You want to do it the best. But you got to watch the pride. You got to watch the ego. And the way God helps you keep that in check is by being submitted. And I want to tell you something. I was given a scripture very... Uh, Long ago, I was just barely saved. It was just a verse. He says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And I want to tell you, in my ministry, uh, one of the, the hallmarks I have noticed and I have been told is I can call out people in an open auditorium and tell them things that their best friend can't tell them to their face. And they will receive it. And I believe the reason they do is because I can receive it. You catching that? I can take the hit. I can, you know, people can get in my face and say, hey, Jerry. And because of that, because of what God has worked out, because I've been on the iron, I can take a hit. I can go up to someone and say, you know what, man? You've been screwing up, haven't you? You know, where normally he'd say, man, get out of my face. You know, and, yeah, I have. I've been messing. And they repent, and God helps them. See, to exercise authority, you first got to be under authority. And, you know, some of you are called to preach. You're going to get out there. And I want to tell you, it's not about being the man. It's about taking that pail, washing those feet, and getting those people to a place where they can do the will of God too. And you're not going to be able to do that unless you are submitted. Men who I highly, I used to be in awe of, just them walking in the room, you would feel the presence of God. Leaders. Great men of stature are now a shell. You ever seen those cicadas when they clinch onto the tree and it's, it's an empty shell? They shed that, but it's still hanging there. That's what these men look like today because they told their pastor, we don't have to listen to you. Look, at we got it going on. You have Uzziah, a man uh, marvelously helped of the Lord one of the most powerful pictures of discipleship, uh, blessing, and everything else. He died a leper because he showed up to church one time. Eighty priests, valiant men, tried to say, hey, listen, bro. You know, I'm thinking if I showed up and just one or two pastors said, hey, Jerry, I'm shut up. I'm listening. You know, 80? But see, something happened to Uzziah because he had it going on. Marvelously helped of the Lord. Powerful. But the minute he got twisted with his, his, his headship, couldn't speak into his life anymore. He died isolated, a leper. So all I want to leave with you here this morning is there is a hierarchy, and you should not leave here and try to, so what, am I like a corporal or a captain? You know, leave it alone. Just be who you are and respect when you know you're in the presence of someone that God has put a, a greater authority on. If you do that, you will do well, and you will be happy. I'm content, you know, uh, I, I'm so glad I don't have to, you know, one good thing about being an evangelist, I don't have to preach at conference, praise God. I mean, people that are called to do that, awesome, and I believe they do it well, but I know where my place is, 
You know, I, I like the way Bob Hall put it. He goes to the Tempe church. He's an evangelist. He said, the evangelist is kind of like a sheepdog. You know, you got the shepherd. He's carrying, you like the sheepdog. You just kind of run around, ruff, 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 you know, kind of reinforce what the shepherd's doing. You know, I got a bigger bark than a little, you know, toto dog. <laughs> You're just reinforcing the shepherd. And I thrive in that environment. I found, I found where God wants me to be, and I'm having a great time. And that's the key, guys. Just be where God has you to be. And if you're here and you got a little chip on your shoulder, you can't be told nothing, you might want to bring that before God. Say, God, you know what? i, I got a problem. I want to repent from that. And I want to receive with the man of God headship, those that you've placed in authority over me. And I'll tell you, God will uh, do great things. Amen. Let's just stand to our feet, worship God for a minute. for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.